All right, welcome everybody back to the PHLY Sixers postgame show. I'm Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman here to talk about a 114-99 Sixers win, their third straight win in a row, two of which came over Nick Nurse's previous team, the Toronto Raptors. And we had a firkin' party here, Rich. How you doing? Derek, I'm doing great. And I just want you to know, before we start this podcast, I am not a system <laughs> podcaster. I am the system. That was a wild press conference. We might get to that here in the second half of that show. For now, I will acknowledge your reference, and I will backburner that a little bit, but that was quite the press conference. You know, I guess looking at this game, you start off, and as both a writer and a podcast, you're like, all right, well, what's the story? What are we really going to dive into? What's the major takeaway? And it was just kind of like a good all-around team win. Like Tobias had another very strong game. You were, you were mentioning at one point there in the third quarter, he was shooting about 67% on the season, something in that range, 67, 67, 8% on the season. I think he missed a couple shots there at the end. You got another really good game from Kelly Oubre, who I think, quite frankly, has had four good games here to start the season, even if there was a stretch where he went 0 for 10 from three-point range in the middle there, but he made five out of six tonight. You had some good Jaden Springer minutes. You had you popping up, you know, huge Furkan Korkmaz game. It was not huge, but it felt like it was huge. Well, we're going to call it huge. We'll give him that one. It was just a really good overall team performance. And we didn't talk about, like, I didn't mention Tyrese Max. You had an okay game. Joel Embiid had a really good game. It was just a really good all-around team performance. I think that goes to show that, you know, this team, despite having a new coach, despite having a lot of new pieces, they seem like they have their shit together to start the season. It seems like, you know, it's it's way too early to project ahead towards the playoffs, but I don't know. It seems like we're going to get credible regular season basketball for most of this year if they're already doing this. Like, they're they're way ahead of yeah. schedule for me. Like I don't I don't know about you. Like did you forget the three and one? Did did you expect them to just be this competent every single night? No, they've been more consistent than I thought. Uh, even even the first game we had you in after the first game when they lost, and we're like, all right, look, Joe kind of sucked that one, but the, overall that was a good team win. Yeah. That was an exciting or a good team performance. That was an exciting game, and they built off of that. And look, are they playing world beaters right now? No, but night in, night out, they've been consistent. They've taken care of business. Um, they even had, like I said, a, a pretty normal night here from Tyrese Maxey, not a 30-7 and seven like we've been seeing every night before then, and they still won comfortably. I was impressed, and so far I've been impressed this year by the depth of the contributions that they've had. Yeah. Like, yeah, they've relied on basically 100 points out of four guys, right? 60 from Embiid and Maxi combined, another 40 from Oubre and Harris. But even so, I think they're going seven, eight, nine deep and getting pretty good performances or at least contributions. And that has certainly surprised me. Yeah. So I, I think I want to ask you a question that I'm not sure we're going to be able to ask in the next 77 games of the year. Can we talk about Furk in the A block? 100%. Yes. I tried. We, we, we wanted to lead with him as a, an image uh, for the, the show. Unfortunately, there is not a recent Furk on Korkmaz image. In the database, I think he is a lead-in story, and I say that in part because you don't know how often we will get this opportunity again, but in part because he deserved it. Like, he he and Springer came in there. First of all, first quarter minutes for Springer and Korkmaz blew me away. I understand, you know, that they didn't want to really lean heavily on a bunch of the new guys that they got. Covington and KJ got in at the very end in garbage time, but that was it. 
but for them to come in and you know playing over d house playing over you know some people that you would expect like Furkan got first quarter minutes and he produced like they they had a, a good run there with cork and springer leading a bit of it Corkmas had that series where he you know what got the steal got the three had a, a whole bunch of contributions in a row yes lead with Furk. go away Spe- speaking of d house i guess that's one negative man that guy can't see the floor at all if he can't see the floor in this game seems like he's pretty far away and by the way going with Ferk seems like it was the right call because he was terrific and by the way i know i'm sure we're gonna get a lot of comments oh Furkan is not, is not good and come on you you can't be blinded by his one game i i know i i know what Ferk is i know it's just a lot of fun when he has his like two or three good right. games a year it's a lot of fun when Ferk has swagger and he's playing like that did you was it was there a behind the back pass no, I don't think there was a single unnecessary behind the back pass. But when he has a swagger to him, the sport is just more enjoyable. And I'm sorry if you don't see that. The the play he makes where he strips, I think it was Boucher right after a rebound. And then he goes behind the back and he's basically tripping over himself around half court. Gets the ball to Embiid somehow. Embiid throws it right back to him. And as he's still tripping over himself, he finds a way to finish that reverse layup. That's Beautiful stuff, man. And I think you could see it. I forget like what type of celebration Joe had. Joe had some sort of celebration. Joe also did a nice job refraining himself yep. from the. Uh, There's no 35k fine from the. From the time. Do, yep. I, do I get fined 30k if I do? No, you on? chop away, buddy. Okay. Um, yeah, but but there's just like an infectiousness <laughs> around <laughs> Ferk, and I'm I, just picturing you doing the chop. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can picture it. Uh, that's for that's for the people who watch on video. <laughs> yes. By the way, uh, <laughs> if you haven't gotten convinced to come watch and subscribe on YouTube and watch live, that will do it for you. So yeah, he was great, and I mean, I think like right when he came into the game, he got a deflection too. Ferk played really well, and we've seen these games over his career. Like I'm thinking of all of those games against Chicago. I feel like he always lights them up and makes threes. He had a game against Portland. He had that big shot against Portland yeah. a couple of, of years ago. And I, I don't know. There's just like an infectiousness that like when he does well, which is not often, he doesn't usually get a chance. The whole team enjoys it. You saw it on the, uh, on the postgame show. Uh, Taryn Hatcher said that Tobias Harris was supposed to be interviewed and they were like, nope, Ferk, you got the interview. And I, I think everybody just enjoys him. Everybody likes him. Even though he makes a trade request every uh, every year, they'd say these are the politest trade requests we've ever <laughs> seen. Really We're not trading you, buddy. Like we'll try, but it's not our priority. Anyway, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of the two or three FERC explosions. Yes, every year, and especially on this team, where once you get past Tyrese, maybe a little bit Joel, there's just not very much flair. There's not a whole lot of playmaking. There's not a whole lot of dribbling or passing. Just watching him is, and again, it's going to be infuriating probably the very next game, right? Then he's going to get beat sure. on a lot on the perimeter a he's lot. Not Shots gonna... aren't going to go in. It's going to struggle. Sure. Let me enjoy this one. You're he's... 100% right. Let me enjoy this And he's this probably one. not going to play next game, right? If right. The, if the other guys are up to speed, he probably doesn't play, which is for the best, right? Like we get to see him just play one game and he goes out on a high note and maybe we'll see him you know, in a couple of weeks in one of these crazy games. But like, look, I, I, I think FERC is the, uh, is kind of the embodiment of, they were really shorthanded tonight, you know, going to Springer. I think it was Springer, Cork, Bev, Melt, and yeah. Bead for a minute there. Yep. 
that's like not what Joel probably thought he was signing up to play with, but they made it work. And no. uh, good job by the Sixers. I know the Raptors were on a back-to-back. They did not play all that well. But, like, again, like the depth, just it, it was a nice regular season win. Yes. And that they, you know, they were shorthanded, but they took what they had and they made it work. So and the Sixers good. bench toasted the Raptors bench. Like, they thoroughly outplayed Toronto's bench. And like you mentioned, back-to-back, a whole lot of mitigating factors. But even with basically without four players, three of which you probably expect will be in the rotation to some degree, or maybe two of which you expect to be in the rotation to some degree, uh, they had the deeper team with more contributions from more players. It was, it was fun. It was a, a fun collective effort. I do think, you know, I feel like at some point we probably overlooked Tobias's contributions a little bit. It's great. Not only in this game, but he's really been very good in four straight games. And I thought Embiid, in terms of his activity, you know, his, and and look, we were hard on Embiid after that opener, but he was incredibly active tonight defensively. He was very active on the boards. And when he puts his mind to it on the glass, it's really a completely different Joel. And he thought, I thought he brought that tonight. I thought it it was, it was an interesting game for him because he clearly did not have the touch from mid range. You saw it, you know, again, I think he shot five from 50 or 15 from the floor. He like, he passed up, that uh, that rhythm pocket pass jumper that he used to get from James Harden, which I guess James Harden was throwing in protest all of last season. It was it was so miserable to throw those passes to the MVP. Oh man, poor James Harden. Um, but he passed those up a couple times. You could tell he didn't have the touch. I wonder if it was like a three day layoff again, where no, he was not as bad as he was in Milwaukee to start the year. But man, he just might not play that well when he has a few days off. He needs to be in rhythm. That said. I thought he affected the game with his defense, especially. And there was something, I think, in that third quarter, you know, they give up, I forget what it was, like an 8 0 run to start the third quarter. They basically gave their halftime lead back in about yep. two minutes. And I don't know, at some point, he got hit by one of the Raptors' smaller players. And you could tell he said, okay, I'm going to start protecting the rim. I'm going to start contesting a lot of shots. My activity level is going to be really high on the defensive end. We saw, I believe, his second Matumbo finger wag of the, uh, of the season when he blocked Siakam too. And he did a really good job in the Sixers in that span regained control. And that's exactly what you're looking for for Joe. Like, did he see the floor all that well today? No, not really. I thought the over the head pass to Ubre was pretty funny. <laughs> yes. It was, you know, it wasn't like, uh, I think Ubre had to do a little work after that, but um, like, look, I thought that was a professional Joe performance on a night. He just really didn't have his touch, which is obviously a big part of his game. Yeah. Um, no, and look, I, I guess before we sort of get to the first break, overall, your thoughts on the way, and this is not just tonight, but for the season, on the way they've used Embiid defensively and a little more prevalence of the dribble handoff again. Well, defensively, you know, I think I said this the first night, this is very much a Nick Nurse roster. And, you know, there were a couple possessions tonight where Embiid is in scramble mode and he yeah. is the guy contesting the three-pointer. And it's it's very much a Nick Nurse system where, look, they got a bunch of steals tonight. That's a good thing. Active hands defensively, um, kind of throwing bodies at drivers and, and shrinking the floor. But that means Joel has to work a little bit more, right? And, uh, you know, am I a little bit concerned about what that looks like for the entire year? Yeah, because you know how much it's he weighs? a lot weighs? to ask. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot, of, a lot to move around. Yep. A lot of movement. But I think he's handled it really well. And I think... Like, look, some of the the plays they have made, they they do give up a bunch of corner threes. It's a Nick Nurse team. 
but I, I, I like how they've used them. And I, I like the stuff from the elbows too. Like I think, did it look, it, I, I would say it looked closest to the Milwaukee game tonight. Like it wasn't the cleanest offense in the world. He wasn't seeing the floor quite as well. It, it felt like honestly, Nick nurse was still the coach of Toronto. They were throwing a ton of bodies at him. It felt like Scotty Barnes yeah. was camped in the lane the uh, the entire game, but I'm for it. I'm for it. Like the, the defensive stuff is interesting to me. The offensive stuff, using up the at the elbows, getting more cutting, um, trying to um, you know make the Sixers less predictable. That is both a little more fun to watch, and I also think there's a reason they're doing that. Right. Because the other way has not worked in the postseason. Right. So no, I, I like it. I agree. It was a good, good little, a good effort. Um, we had a a question here from Kyle before we get uh, to the break. Is Melton destined for the second unit? Yeah, I mean that possession where he brought the ball up against Schroeder, that was uh that was tough stuff. Yeah. He's look, he's really struggled. He he played decently the last game, reverted back in this one. He has not been good. I don't think they're gonna send him to the bench. And I think he will eventually regain his form. And certainly in terms of lineups, I think he's better suited next to Maxi than he is, you know, if you try to stagger him at all with Maxi. So I think no. I do think eventually he is gonna do enough. Uh, make enough shots, be a little more competent with the ball where he is going to be starting alongside Tyrese Maxey and sort of playing that off-ball role. But I would certainly like to see good Melton a little, like I wouldn't mind seeing that on occasion. He's really struggled. It's been disappointing and surprising. Wouldn't mind seeing a three go in once in a while. Every now and then. Every now and then. He's he's always kind of on the edge between a chaos agent in a very good way and a little bit out of control. And I think he's, he's on one of those uh, downswings right now, by the way, they should not have him bring the ball up against any sort yeah. of, you know, good defensive player. Like Schroeder is pretty good uh, picking up the ball. I, I understand they are running some plays like with, they, they really like that horn set with Maxi and Embiid as kind of the two screeners and Tobias is the guy bringing the ball up. I like that. I would rather see that than Melton because Tobias kind of has that ball handling speed advantage over the players that are traditionally guarding him. Um, but yeah, like I, I think Melt has been, he's really only the, maybe Paul Reed is the other one where, although I thought he played well as the game went on tonight that he's, he's the one guy who's struggling right now. Yeah. You know, I, I think we'll see, you know, as they get these wings and they give them a shot, see what they look like. But I, I would guess that the Sixers want him to start, you know? Like, yeah. And I would like, I think this time of year, we don't overreact. I, we see Neil saying 10 to 15 games. I wouldn't really, really make any major changes until we get there. The only thing you got to worry about is who's going to be that fifth starter because you did trade PJ outside of that. Uh, don't overreact to early season struggles, um, especially with someone like Melton, who I think some of it is that the shots just not going in right now. All right. Uh, going to take a quick break here to tell you about some of our sponsors. First up from Soul Savvy. Don't miss out on the biggest sneaker drops and download the Soul Savvy Drops app. The Drops by Soul Savvy app makes it easy to keep up with all the latest news, releases, raffles, and snails and sales in the sneaker world. It is your one-stop shop for everything sneakers. Features from the Drops app include drop alerts, instant notifications. Make sure you never miss a release again. You'll get instantly notified whenever your size is available to buy. The app also has free raffle management where you keep track of all the raffles that happen in sneakers with their raffle tracker. And it features a release calendar, which will keep you updated on releases that are upcoming. 
Whether you're a casual buyer or an all-out sneakerhead, Soul Savvy has something for you with three different levels. The basic version, which is free, mobile plus, or premium. And we have a drop alert. This Saturday, November 4th, the Air Jordan 1 Reimagined Royale drops. The drops by Soul Savvy app will notify you when and where it's dropping. So download the app and never miss a release. Sign up for Soul Savvy by clicking the links in our description below or by visiting links.soulsavvy.com PHLY or head over to the App Store and download the Drops by Soul Savvy app. Also want to tell you about Wheelhouse. Were you a, a, a card collector at all? Any, uh, any cards in your past history? No. I wasn't a huge card collector. I did have like the old like 87 tops that like everyone in the world had. But I had a couple that I, I lost and it kills me because like I had like a Joe Montana rookie, I had a Frank Robinson rookie, I had a couple like select cards that wouldn't would I wouldn't mind having today. Um, this is embarrassing. I was I was a Pokemon cards guy for a little while. OK, look, that's all right. You can let anything out here. That's fine. That's fine. It's a safe space. Yeah, it's, it's a safe. There's, there's nobody listening anyway. Nobody will, will. Anyway, anyway, if you are a card collector, Wheelhouse is what you'll want to go check out. Wheelhouse is our. Go to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Yes, they're local. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. A lot of shared grief too, but that's that can unite you too. Mm -hmm. Heartbreak can be uniting. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Tops, Chrome, baseball, and Mosaic football, as well as t-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & Ness, 47 brand junk food starter, and Scheib Vintage Sports. Looking to grade your sports card collection? Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester. Open seven days a week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY and get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in-store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. You have to go check that out. I like, uh, I like a lot of old, like, uh, you know, I think sports cards are an interesting way of reliving the past. I'll have to check that out. It's a big industry. Really is, and it's come back. It's come back. I, I, rem I always remember going to like the mall when you were a kid, and they had huge, um, you know, just huge sports card sales. Uh, I enjoyed that. Probably didn't spend as much time doing it as I, I wished, but go check it out. Um, one extra thought on uh, on Melton. He committed a bad foul at the end of yeah. the uh, at, at the end of the first half. That's one of the other things with this Nick Nurse system because both he and Ubre when they were way in the penalty, just committed terrible fouls way far away from the basket. And that's kind of one other thing where it, it will be interesting to see this team kind of live on the edge there where they're super aggressive. They're getting out in transition, which is excellent. Tobias did a great job in transition tonight. Tyrese did a great job in transition tonight, but also not getting burned on the back end, you know, kind yeah. of playing that risky system, which I'm having a lot of fun watching. Yes. But not making the big mistake as well. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm I'm mildly annoyed with Melton. I'd say I'm a little bit concerned, but I'm not. I'm not very much concerned. Like I, I think he will get back to where they need. And I still think like we spent all preseason talking about like he's going to be one of the main beneficiaries of it, of Nick Nurse in the system. So the fact that he has come out and missed some shots and I think got maybe in his head a little bit, I'm not going to completely freak out. I'm still going to maybe lean a little extra on my preseason eval and believe that it is eventually going to catch up. We'll see. He's, we'll see. But if he's the, like the one person we're complaining about, they're off to a pretty good start. Totally. And he, he is a player that has his hot and cold streaks, yes. regardless of what the system is. That's probably why Memphis moved on from him. Like there were, there were two week stretches last year where I was like, Oh, 
oh, this is why they traded DeAnthony Melton for right. kind of a late first round pick. And then there were two week stretches where I was like, oh man, what a steal. Daryl Morey, complete genius, you know? Yeah. So yeah. He, he is a little bit of a hot and cold player. And I think we have to accept that. Yeah. And I think that'll probably be a little more annoying on his next contract because I think he's going to get a pretty substantial pay raise here. Uh, and you know, especially on a team where you're going to be right up against that, uh, having a max contract slot, they might have a tough decision to make when they talk about, uh, that cap hold, which we might get into a little bit later on here in this show, but I'm, I'm still, a, I'm still a milk believer for sure. Can we do our daily Kelly Oubre segment now? I know it, it pains you. But no, he, look, he, I've enjoyed watching Kelly Oubre play. If he plays, I, I, I look, when you've been doing this as long as Rich and I have, we're wrong a lot. I have bec I became comfortable being wrong in this industry a long time ago. And if I'm wrong because he's playing better than expected and playing within a system, I'm happy. There are I'm a happy. bunch of people in our industry who thrive on being wrong. Not us, but... It's going to happen, but it, But it is going to happen. Yeah. Um, he has been spectacular to start the season. I mean, there, there were a couple plays in that third quarter when, you know, third, fourth quarter when it's like gets down to eight, ten points... Sixers are kind of spinning their wheels. They can't get a bucket. And he knocks down a couple threes. There was one where uh, where Chris Boucher, who blocks a ton of threes, he's it's like him and Matisse Thybul, and I guess now Jaden Springer as the uh, the three-point, and Wemby, I guess, too, the, the three-point shot block artist. Um, he played way off of him, and Kelly was like three or four feet behind the line, calmly dropped in a three beyond the arc. And, you know, I, I've just been really impressed. Like, that dude is a super talented offensive player. I think one thing I've really enjoyed from him, he can get to the basket with his right hand. Obviously, yes. he's, he's always going to come back to that left to try and finish. And as a lefty, I appreciate that because <laughs> I always hated having to shoot uh, right-handed layups as a kid. You know, I think righties would have the opposite, but usually not many kids are left-handed. So when we would practice left-handed layups, I'm like, oh, this is sweet. I'm left-handed. It doesn't really matter. Um, he's been really good, man. He's just a really talented offensive player. And I, I guess that was what... I think even you said when they signed him for a minimum contract, what, like the second week of September that, okay, yeah, this guy has some warts. He, he clearly, um, 20 scoring 20 points is not the same thing it used to be, you know, playing nonsense ball in Charlotte. I think right. the whole NBA kind of docked him for that, but the dude's got a lot of talent as a scorer. And I think he's played really well and he's, I, you know, he's, he's doing what nurse is asking him to do on defense. I think he guarded Scotty Barnes for a lot of tonight and, yeah, Barnes got off to a hot start, but I don't really think that was Kelly's fault for the most part. I think that was because they were kind of aggressive yep. helping off of them, and Barnes did a good job. I've I've been really impressed. This has been an awesome Kelly Oubre start to the year. No, look, I, like, especially, and not only that, but he's playing really good defense. Yeah. Like, his one-on-one -on -one defense is never going to be perfect, but he's been really active, double-teaming on the perimeter, you know, trying to dig on the perimeter and force turnovers, get his hands on a lot of passes getting a lot of deflections he's playing really good defense which is helping them get out in the break another staple of nick nurse teams is that he is you know they're going to force a lot of turnovers and get out in transition and if you do that i'm gonna have more leeway for when you do eventually screw up than maybe i normally would and so far quite frankly he just hasn't really been screwing up all even when he went over 10 from three in games two and three he thought they were mostly good shots like he had a couple of rush ones late towards the clock but they were late clock so, you know, for the most part, when the shot's been going in, when they've not been going in, I've been okay with the shots. I don't think he's really taken that many bad looks. His usage is down, which you would expect, but he, uh, he's bought in, it seems. He keeps playing like this. I will not 
like like I said, I would be happy being wrong. Hundred percent. I'm digging him too. Like he's he's a fun watch. He's he's bopping his head to here come the Sixers after the game. He's doing push-ups on the floor. He's blowing kisses to the crowd in Milwaukee. I don't know if he, if he is playing well. I think he has a little bit of flair to him, a little bit he of does. excitement, a little a, bit, a of, little, uh, a little firk in him, a little firk in yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, look, I mean, it, it's it's maybe he just needed to be on a minimum contract and have Nick Nurse to really be motivated to play the. Who knows? And look, it's four games. All right, things could always change, but so far that has been the right recipe. But wouldn't it be awesome? Like, I, I think that's probably what Nick Nurse told Kelly Oubre. It's like, I think this was something Brett Brown used to tell players who came in on one-year deals. They were like, look, we don't want you to be on our team next year right. because I want you to have such a good year that you're out of our price range next year. Right. And, and you can get, you know, security. Now, maybe the Sixers are in a different spot where if Kelly Oubre plays awesome and he deserves a pay bump, Maybe they have the cap space to keep him around. And, Maybe, and, and but if they if they spend that cap space, they won't be able to because they they won't have his bird rights. No. So if they end up using that cap space elsewhere, it could be t- it could be the Brett Brown thing where you play well, you price yourself out of what we can do. There is that risk. Um, but again, if that happens, that means he's had a really good year for you, and you'll live with that. I've I've really enjoyed him. I mean, when he is kind of playing the right way, steal a line from Larry Brown and. Just playing this kind of efficient. He's he's like an aesthetically pleasing basketball player, man. Like skinny lefty, you can shoot, get to the rim, get up for dunks. I'm I have enjoyed him quite a bit. Um, so great, great start for him. All right. Two questions here. One from Ash, who dropped us a super chat. Thank you very much, Ash. We appreciate that. He says with the addition of the right elite role player, the Sixers could be dangerous. How much would OG cost given he is expiring? He notes that OG versus Tatum and Brown could be a huge help. I'll let you get to that, but I, I think my my worry for OG and spending a lot of draft capital and then spending a lot of actual capital, like paying him a big contract, you know, we were going over it. Uh, Tyrese Maxey guarded him pretty much the entire game. Yeah. And he still scored, but it's, I, it's a little bit of an issue when Tyrese Maxey is guarding you and I don't feel like you're pressing that advantage at all. Like, I feel like you would have scored those points regardless of who was guarding you. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's what we, you and Kyle have kind of talked about. He feels very fourth option to me. Uh, and, yeah. yeah. No, he's definitely a fourth option. I'm not sure if he knows he's a fourth option, and that concerns me a little bit. The thing is, as a fourth option, he could be the best fourth option in the league, or at least right up there, right? He's one of the best defenders, what would you say, top 10, 15 defense, somewhere in that yeah, range. absolutely. One of the more switchable players in the league, and also he is a knockdown catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. So if he sticks to that role with an occasional attacking of a closeout, an occasional mismatch, although as you mentioned, not exactly looking to do that all that often, and take some of those pick and roll shots out of his diet, I could he be overpaid? Yeah, look, the nature of 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 free agency is that you overpay. That's almost by design. You have to in order to get the guy in free agency. So there's that concern, but he would be an almost perfect role player. I would probably lean towards him maybe more than some, but I understand the risk of, hey, he's probably going to cost two first-round picks to get at the trade deadline if you want to pursue him ahead of free agency, and he's going to cost a significant... Like, you brought up uh, Mikhail Bridges on the four-year 90 mil from... That was two and a half years ago at this point that he signed it. Well, the price is... First of all, that was a good deal at the time, and the prices have gone way up since. You're looking at a pretty significant contract, probably 30-plus mil a year, uh, and two first-round picks. It's going to cost you a lot. But he would be really good next to Embiid. 
like that defense would be much more capable of competing against, like he mentions Boston. It's a very good point. Yeah, you're looking at that Boston team. You like they're gonna they're gonna be here for a couple of years. Like you've got to figure out a way to get past them. It feels like over the past few years, you know, the Sixers go into those series against Boston or that that series last year, and it's like okay, PJ and Tobias and just pray they miss their shots, you know. And I think OG would give you a much better option to throw against uh, Tatum and Brown. But um, it's one of those things where I think you're putting a ton on Tyrese Maxey because I don't. I don't want OG running pick and rolls. Don't want him running any of those. And it's it's a very interesting question because I think a lot of the options we're seeing pop up as like, you know, the potential star level players, quote unquote, star level players that could wriggle free and could be, you know, somebody the Sixers could get. Positionally, I don't love the fit with Embiid and Maxi with a lot of them, you know, yeah. the, the Zach Levines, the Donovan Mitchells, um, those type of guys. And then, you know, Pascal on the other side, you know, do you, do you want him next to Joel? Yeah. OG fits, it, he, he kind of fits the positional spectrum. I, I just wonder allocating so many resources to a guy who I don't want to put the ball in his hands really at all. No, no, that's fair. JM also brings up a good point is the Raptors don't tend to trade their expiring guys. Might be, they, might be four first round picks the way Messiah Yeah, no, they, they I'm, I mean, geez, there's a report that Kyle or the Sixers were offering um, Tyrese for Kyle Lowry and they said no. Oops. Hashtag thank you, Masai. <laughs> yes. And who knows how much truth there is to that, but that was reporting at the time. Uh, and certainly that would have been franchise altering. Let Fred leave last summer. They do not tend to get out. They're almost the exact opposite of Maury, who will look to get value from his expiring contracts before they walk. Uh, Masai has historically not, and that's a, that's a fair point. Uh, it might take OG or Pascal to demand a trade. And even then, who knows? Um, we'll see. We they, shall see. They have been so poorly run over the past few years, Toronto. OG should have went to the highest bidder last yeah. year because they probably could have gotten two or three first-round yep. picks for him because teams would have said, okay, we're going to get two playoff runs with this guy before we have a chance uh, to pay him. I mean, what what are they doing? Like, that team is going nowhere. They, they let Fred walk for nothing, too, which yep. was crazy. They have Pascal expiring. It's just Masai has done a bad job over the past few years. So... I think he should be looking to deal OG, but I do wonder if the price has gone down quite a bit just because people have seen OG play a little bit more and also like, all right, we're going to rent him for, for one playoff run. At least, you know, last year you had a couple playoff runs with him. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's take a quick break to tell you about game time. And there's a big game coming up here against the Suns. Want to be in the building for that? I even say that without any kind of a joke. Like, you actually want to be in the building to watch this team play right now. You've got the Eagles playing, of course. Great event to watch. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and a breast brace guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. With game time, you get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. With tickets set directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. 
Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, so I think uh, I think we should hopefully have Kyle here checking in from the arena soon. Uh, not quite yet, but at some point here in the second half of this show as he had a chance to talk to Nick Nurse and a bunch of the players, we will wait for that. We haven't really... I, I guess any other stray thoughts here on this game? I do think this was a game where it maybe wasn't... Um, nothing really stood out. There wasn't anything spectacular. It was just a really good, solid, all-around uh, game. But anything else you want to make sure that you hit on here before we... One more FERC point. This is very random. We ha- we always have to talk FERC. Love when the FERC. floater goes in, you know it's his night. Because that dude has not made a floater in his career. <laughs> That's all. Uh, no, I'm with you. It, it really was just a very was nice a, team effort. Yeah. They they guarded. They played really hard. They got contributions up and down the lineup. You know, Tobias and Oubre probably leading the way. But not not really even any spectacular performances which is great to see. And I, Pat Bev made me laugh a few times too, like him him getting in arguments with, uh, who is that, Boucher, I guess, at one point too. Good Pat Bev game. When he's when he's doing the right things, he's very funny and, and collecting technicals and all those things. So, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think they, you know, they had that run there to end the first half. I don't think they trailed it all in the, in the second half. I think there was maybe a point where the Raptors pulled it uh, to – even, um, but I think for the most part, like that was a, a the last eighteen minutes of that game was uneventful, uh, and it was workmanlike. It was a good uh, defensive performance led by Embiid. It was a diversified offensive attack. Uh, they didn't even really like to shoot the heck out of the ball. There wasn't a whole lot of shooting luck. I think they just outplayed them for most of the game, and that was fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, all right. So obviously, since the last time we had you on, there was a pretty big trade here in what? Sixers land. There was might've been a Furkan trade request as well. That wasn't really met because that's not what happens in Furkan's life. And thank goodness for that. Cause I think we all appreciate that overall thoughts on the James Harden trade. Cause we haven't had a chance to talk to you about it on the Harden trade on what they got back for him on the timing of it, of how this sets them up. I'm just a couple minutes here on, on your thoughts on what, ha- what went down. I know I'm changing the subject and going to Furk, but the tweet that said, <laughs> The tweet that I ask you about James Harden, you're like, oh, hold on, we'll get there. Give, me, give me five more minutes on. We'll get Ferk. there. The tweet that Ferk requested to be a part of the trade, and both the Sixers and Clippers staff were firmly against the idea. Like, imagine some Clippers video coordinator going to Bomber saying, "No, anybody but Corkmaz, anybody." It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Just, uh, I like, I, I feel bad for him because you're like. That never, As you say, by the way, that never happened. Yeah, there's no way that actually no, happened. No, I but, think that was a that was a fake. Deal. But the <laughs> idea that the uh, the Clippers staff was just like anybody but Ferk, no, he submit, he has the politest trade request yeah. ever. You would just like for one of them to be met. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that that made is me. This, lo- the first, the, this is the final year of his deal, right? The yeah. Final year of his three year. Yeah. Oh, final year. Okay, James Harden. Uh, I liked what you said the other day. I think it's probably about a B B minus kind of grade on the uh, the trade package. Um, but it's an incomplete, right? Like what do they do next? You know, people are talking about marketing in the chat, whatever the hell they do. That is what I am grading this trade on. Yeah. Here, here is, I guess my overall point though. I am a little surprised Daryl Morey settled for that trade package. I, okay. and by the way, settled might be the wrong word. Maybe he said, this is a different situation than Ben Simmons. We are dealing with one team. This is decent enough in terms of getting that unprotected Clippers pick, getting the pick swap, which we later learned is protected one to three, still a pretty good swap there. Um, Getting that extra first round pick, which 
not quite a Colangelo fake first, but it's it's not the greatest pick in the world. No, I mean it's a it's a first in that it will be a first round pick. It just won't be a lottery pick. Yeah. You expect you expect OKC at that point to be certainly late teens at the best mm-hmm. for that pick. Yeah, they're they're gonna be good. Uh Chet Holmgren is is balling. He's looking like Abe Lincoln, but yeah. he's playing great uh with that beard. <laughs> the uh no, I'm just a little surprised Daryl settled for that just because we were here for Ben Simmons a couple years ago. We were here for everybody after Joel would put up another 40 ball. You, you can't waste a year of this guy's prime trade yeah. Ben Simmons. Get him out of here. And for him to make this trade just a week into the season, I'm not even saying he was wrong. I just, I, I guess I was not prepared for that to happen. Yeah, I think, so I was talking to Danny Rue uh, for Real Gym Radio on this one. And he, I think he brought up a good point. Like, what happens if the Clippers move on? I know. Like, you could have been just complete. Like, you had to sit there then and wait for another team to get interested. And if Harden is pouting as the Clippers, let's say, grab Brogdon in a trade and move on, and there's no one on the market, like, all of a sudden, who knows how long that's going to take? Who knows whether or not you'll even get back to this level of an offer? I think that, I think that was fair point where the risk from the Sixers perspective might've been higher than the risk from the Clippers perspective. And I do think like I, I saw some reporting that Daryl Morey was previously insistent on getting Terrence Mann. That was not the case. All the conversations I had, he wanted Mann or that second pick. And a lot of the reason he wanted Mann was to flip him for a pick. I think once he got that second first round pick coming in, I think he was okay with executing it now. And I think looking at it from my perspective, they're just like, when he brought up the fact that, you know, the Clippers could move on, there was certainly some risk that not only would you not be guaranteed to get this level of a trade package in return, but it could have been an ugly few months. I'm, I'm with you. I, and I think that is a good reason to, uh, to make that trade now. And, yeah. I, and I think, I, I guess what maybe I wasn't thinking about was the downside risk of, of holding on to Harden. And, yeah. and ultimately I think that's what I settled on. Yeah, I was surprised he made that move, but there was probably a good reason yeah. because we know if he thought there was a chance to extract more value, he probably yes. was going to hold on. For yeah. And and from the Clippers' standpoint, people are asking, like, why did they make this trade now? Why did they give him? Right. And I think you can kind of look at it both ways. Like, as a team that was the only, uh, only bidder for them to give up a couple of really good picks, like... They really wanted him there and they really wanted him there early in the season because we saw what happens when you get James Harden in February, right? It's just, right. it's just hard to, to get your rotations down. It's hard to get your plays down. So I think that did make sense from his point. And speaking of things that could turn disastrous, I'm told that we have Kyle here ready to check in from the arena. How you doing, buddy? How we doing, fellas? Look, I got uh, Julius the Dr. Irving behind me go. so we're uh, in a little bit of a better setup than usual i have an actual table for my laptop which is just what an upgrade from trying to balance <laughs> it uh, on the floor so how are you guys doing doing great so i guess probably the most interesting thing that i have was a reason to go to FERC and um springer pretty early there FERC specifically obviously they're short they didn't really want to use Covington and and much of the new guys, um, but the decision to go with FERC and, and why Nick went that way. So we just talked to Joel Embiid about James Harden, and your first question to me is about FERC on Korkmaz. Is that yes. what you're telling we me? We wanted it's to lead A the podcast Ferkman. off with FERC on Korkmaz. Of course it is. 
Yeah, so I, I think Nick kind of viewed it as, look, we still kind of have to give everybody a shot, and Ferk was going to have to get his shot, whether it's now, whether it's Saturday, sometime in the next week or two, I guess, as they sort out all the the wreckage of this trade that was made. And, you know, because he hasn't seen Ferk in the preseason with the injury that he dealt with, I, I just think that this was kind of a natural situation to say, all right, here you go, buddy. Now's the time. And I don't think the explanation that Nick gave was much more than that. So, I mean, thankfully he took advantage of it. I don't know about you guys. I Obviously, the offense is the, the thing we look to Ferk for. I thought he was actually pretty decent on defense tonight too. Made a couple of plays, I think one in each half that I can at least count off the top of my head. Okay, let's, uh, let's hear it from you. What did Joel say about James Harden? Because... I'm sure I would have I would have loved to have been in that room to hear Joel. Uh, you know, he, he's had some very memorable quotes over his career. So what did he say about Harden's comments? Yeah, I mean, certainly it was not the Ben Simmons situation, right? Where he just lit the guy on fire and posted the RIP Bozo meme and all that. I think he was on the whole fairly respectful, said he hopes to see the Clippers in the finals, hopes to beat the Clippers in the finals at that. So he's wishing him... I thought it was, I don't think he meant it as a dig, but it sort of comes off as a dig. He's like, you know, I wish him all the success and he makes a lot of money or, or makes as much money as he wants or something to that effect. I'd have right. to go back and look at the quote. And it was like, huh, you know, that kind of gives away the the game here where <laughs> we all know that James was after the biggest payday possible and wasn't getting it in Philadelphia. Uh, the one interesting thing was he did get asked about James's I am the system sort of comments tonight. And Joe was again, respectful there. Although he did come out and say, I posted the clip on Twitter. I'm sure you guys will be able to watch it after you're done there. He essentially said like, look, we gave the James, we gave James the ball on every single possession. So, you know, there, there might've been communication issues with the coaching staff between James and doc and whoever, and they might have had issues there. He can't speak to that, Joel said. But ultimately, you know, the guy had the ball all the time, and for good reason. He said he's a great player. I'm not as good of a passer as he is, so we needed to give him the ball to play make and create for others. He led the league in assists, so on and so forth. But certainly was not like, oh, yeah, James was kept on a leash and not allowed to be himself. He did not agree with that characterization. Yeah, I think I think he had uh, in terms of time of possession the second highest time of possession in the league last year. That is a a pretty long leash from my perspective. Um, I guess overall, like, just what do you think has been behind Tobias's play? Uh, how do you think he responded here tonight? Uh, what do you what do you make of it? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I hate to continually use this talking point, but he loves to bring up flow and like being in flow, and that's his can't remember what movie that's flow state is a big thing that gets brought up repeatedly but he is a guy that you give him enough touches and time he tends to figure it out it's one reason that we all talked during the preseason about how he would scale up without Harden and that, that'd be part of their plan to survive this stretch or now it's the permanent stretch without James Harden but I, I think some of it is you know you get him out on the break early he's leaking out he's getting a few cheapies I think in transition and then once he sees those goes down, go down, expands out to the three-point line. You know, the big standout thing for me with him, other than his defense, which I think he's been super locked in to open the season, seeing him take 
not really open threes, like lightly contested threes, take one dribble to shed the defender and then sidestep into a more open three is such a huge upgrade over watching him step into like a 18 foot long two that I'm sure made Daryl absolutely insane pulling his hair out that he has left. And so I, I think that in itself has been a big deal. Even if the shots are not going down, I think his overall shot quality has been really good. And when he's feeling good on offense, I think that's been translating to defense, which to me has been as important, if not more important to where they're at right now. So that was a pretty good performance all around. Like I think you look up and down the roster, everybody, there, there weren't too many like complete standouts like Tobias and Ubre probably are the two, but just hardly anybody played bad. That said, I am going to ask about the one guy who's kind of stood out that way. What, what are you making of Melton right now? Dude, I, I can't understand it, honestly, right? Because first few minutes of that game, Toronto was basically just looking at him and saying, go ahead, we dare you to shoot. We don't care if you take, you know, three, four threes in a row. I think, what did he end up finishing? Something like one for six or yeah. one for seven overall from the field. You know, obviously we expect DeAnthony to be kind of a, a slapstick comedy at the rim, but I think the overall quality <laughs> of shots he's getting from three are is really good. Like he's getting great looks. The ball's moving around the floor and they're finding him when he has shots to take and make, but he just has absolutely no rhythm right now. He's been a little disjointed on defense too. I guess I would just chalk it up to, you know, it's a rough stretch and any role player goes through these ebbs and flows. Unfortunately, he's been, other than, was it Sunday they played against Portland? I thought he had a good game, but the rest of the season, he's been absolutely miserable. And I was counting on him to be one of their highest minute players. He's obviously going to continue starting no matter what happens with these new guys. But Kelly Oubre has taken over as their most reliable, you know, wingish player, which is just a, a complete shock, I know, to absolutely all of us on this podcast. Well, I guess that brings up the point because Kelly did start today, had another good shooting night, five for six from three. We've seen the shot can go up and down, but I think the defensive effort and the playmaking on defense has been pretty consistent. Did Nick talk about, you know, that starting spot? Do you think that's going to, you know, he called it short term the other day. Do you think that's going to stick around here for a little bit? What do you make of all that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we didn't even see Cove or KJ until the final minute. Nick was away from the team. Marcus, we didn't see at all. So I don't think they're going to go from, hey, they're not ready to play except for complete garbage time to, hey, Cove, this is like Tim Frazier signing with the the Sixers way back in the day, wow, and now you're the reference. starting point guard. Yeah, I, I just I don't think it's that sort of deal. So I would say, let's call it at least the next week or so, we're going to see Kelly in that role. And if he continues to play like this, there's not really an argument for taking him out of the lineup, right? Now, he's not going to shoot as he did tonight every night. But to your point, Derek, Nick got asked about Kelly after the game and essentially said you know, he's playing his ass off right now defensively. Like there are a lot of possessions where you see him fly around the floor and you know trapping guys. I think him and Pat Bev had a nice possession tonight. I don't remember if it was it's either Siakam or OG or maybe Scotty Barnes, one of the three good players that the Raptors have. Trapped him in the corner, forced a turnover. They got a run out out of it, using his length in a way that they're, they're weaponizing it. And so, yeah, I don't know, man. Kelly's been really good. So until he starts playing like the Kelly that I think the three of us might have expected, I don't see any real reason to dislodge him right now. And then you figure out what you do with the rest of the group. 
I kind of wonder because Ubre has struggled with off-ball defense for most of his career. If if just playing the Nick Nurse chaos style and just automatically kind of making him play with his hair on fire is probably a good thing for him. Kyle, one last thing for me: um, Did he say what they're going to do with Rocco and Kmart and the new guys? To like, do you have any feel for if they're going to play on Saturday or like, you know, are, do they know the plays yet? Th- those type of things. So I think, I don't remember how he phrased it exactly. I think he essentially alluded to the fact that they would have, oh, it was extra study halls. He said that they would have over the next, I guess it's probably 24 or 36 hours or so before that Suns game. I do get the sense I think they're going to play. Now, I don't know what Patum's situation is right now. He was out with personal reasons. I don't know what's going on there with him and his family or whoever else, whatever's going on there. So I would maybe fade the idea that he might play, but I think Cub and KJ getting that end of the game garbage time minute or two, minute and a half, I would say, probably indicates that if he feels they're up to speed by Saturday, that maybe they don't play major roles, but they might at least get, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes of action uh, either for one of them or between the two of them. So I have one final question here. It's actually coming from Ronald in the chat. He points out that you are not currently wearing a hoodie. Do you have any kind of a defense for your atrocious attire? I actually have a hooded jacket in the media room right now. So Ronald, I will rectify that in okay. short order. Well, I can't be wearing. Put look, that on before you. This go on is the video. still technically. It's still technically a sweatshirt. It's not like I spruced up to go to the game. You know, sometimes. We'll all wear collared shirts and look nice. And even in the playoffs, we'll bust out a suit or dress pants from time to time. I do have some really comfy dress pants I'll wear even in alongside jeans. I would put them there with them. So I don't know, Ronald, you're going to see some game day fits this year. They're probably all going to be bad ones. I won't end up on the drip cam, but beauty's in the eye of the beholder, as we all know. All right. Well, next time, just throw that hoodie on before you come on the show. You freak some of our listeners out. Other than that, great job, Kyle. We appreciate it and get home safely. Sounds good, guys. Talk to you soon. So, so we mentioned that. Can we can we bring up the system quote from Harden? All right, all right. Give me one second. We gotta we got we gotta pay the bills real quick. Uh, we got one more sponsor to get to. Okay. This time, a quick word uh, from Foco. Foco is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms, and with it now being football and tailgating season, it means overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game Foco has. Did you get your Phillies hoodies? Not yet. They really took they, they really took off. I was surprised at how, how well they took off. They really, really sold well. And Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. Yeah, you saw those overalls everywhere. Oh, yeah, all over the place. And it's funny, though, I, I am see, seeing, or, uh, I am starting to see people uh, get them now, which yeah. is kind of funny, just yeah. considering. Hopefully I mean, still... at least they're just like Phillies, like general Phillies, and not like yeah. this playoff run specific. Especially with some of the like, um, not not from Foco specifically, but just from like you'll see very specialized shirts come mm-hmm. out, and with how quickly things change in baseball playoffs, uh, sometimes you don't get those shipped to them. But Foco, they really do have a great selection of everything, not just overalls, of course, 
um, but all kinds of merchandise, which, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a knickknack person, especially when it comes to sports stuff. So check it out. All right. We need to do five to 10 minutes on that. James Harden press conference today is an all timer. It, it was a doozy. It was a doozy. <laughs> not a system player. We were talking about this. Put I'm, him on I'm, a leash. I'm, I'm betraying your, your confidence, but we were talking about this off air. And the way you put it is this guy is going to make me defend Doc Rivers, it's, which is the last thing I want to do. It is tough to make me defend Doc Rivers. That is true. That is true. Can you explain why? Well, he was an asshole to us and he was a bad coach. So, you know, I mean, you don't win many brownie points when you call me a dumbass on live TV. That's not the reason I think he's a bad coach, but it does make it a little tougher for me to defend you. And I'm still siding with Doc Rivers at points when it's like James. And I actually think that James Harden did a reasonable job, even if he didn't like his role of playing within his role, right? Both in Brooklyn and in Philly, I don't think he went completely ISO crazy, but he just might've, he must've been pissed off the entire time he was doing it. Like here, here's a freaking pocket pass, you asshole. Like he must've been like cursing <laughs> under his breath while being forced to pass the ball. You like that shit, Joe? Right. <laughs> like it's a shame because on the one hand, I still think he can contribute. And I think he can, like, he has enough skills, and Rich is dying over here, and I'm trying not to get distracted. He has enough skills where he <sighs> should be a productive player. He should be getting his next contract. And it's just, he is convinced it is still 2019, and he can lead the league in scoring. And he played the last couple of years with stars under protest. Now he's just going to go to L.A. and beat the system? No, James. You're third. You're, you're on that pecking order. You're third. You're not second anymore. You are third, and you might have the ball every possession. You might lead the league and maybe time holding the ball. Although Kawhi is going to want, you know, he's going to want a jab step in ISO too. You better get used to the fact that you're not shooting 25 times. You're just not doing it. Yeah. And, and I mean, at one point I am the system. That was true for most of his Houston run. Yes, He was like a top four a offense system unto himself. percent. Yeah. And he was that, but the idea that like doc rivers and the Sixers made him play a ridiculous role last year. No, dude, that was the right role for you. They had the number one offense in the league for the last three months of the season. If you're not willing to sacrifice for that, then what are you willing to sacrifice for? And you had the ball. This has been thrown out on Twitter a bunch. I, I tweeted it too. You had the ball the second most right. out of any player in the league. Like, was it that bad, James? Was it that bad? I don't know. I, I guess if... If I was Ty Lue, if I was Lawrence Frank, if, if I, I was, was Kawhi Ka Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, yeah. if I was Paul George, who might turn into Clay Thompson, no dribble, that's the only thing he's allowed to do, that quote would scare the shit out of me. Yes. Look, I, I know it's just a press conference, and James can be a little bit mercurial. He can, he can kind of, uh, you know, sometimes not, not always say the, the clearest thing in the world, but man, that would scare me. I mean, look, this is a guy who went from a 40% usage rate in Houston, in a 28% range in Brooklyn, and a 25% range last year. I gave him a lot of credit for that. But would I bet on him being willing to age gracefully into his mid to late 30s? Hell no. And when you look, I think a lot of people looked at this summer. I'm actually surprised we're getting on this much of a Harden rant because I thought we were done with Harden. But you're you're right. Like, it's a quote that you have to bring up because it goes into the fact that, like, when Daryl Morey, and uh, there's a lot of debate over 
is James pissed off because Daryl Morey didn't talk to him leading up from free agency or because Daryl Morey wasn't going to give him the contract that he wanted? I think it's pretty clear. Maybe the, the lack of communication impacted it, but that contract was always going to be a sticking point. And I think this kind of attitude just shows that Daryl Morey was right for not giving him the full bag. And I don't think Daryl would have. I think if he would have, then then they would have come to an agreement before free agency. I know they didn't want to lose a pick for tampering. Um, <laughs> but man, that like with the way he t- doesn't take care of his body like he needs to, and that attitude, I just have zero confidence in him and aging gracefully. And if we look at a trade now, I don't think the drama we went through over the last four months really hurt him too much in terms of the return package. I, <sighs> I just sit there and wonder, like, what is going to make you happy, man? Because guess what? It, it was brought up that a lot of Sixers have shit-talked Doc Rivers in the preseason this year. That's fair. They are running kind of this more egalitarian ball movement cutting offense. You know who I am confident saying would hate playing in that offense? James Harden. Yes. <laughs> he would hate it. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's just a shame. And it's, it's one of those things where... You know, I think anybody who knows my history, I am a, I am a full quote guy after the mistake I, I made the one time with that. And people were, were saying, oh, watch the, the consecutive answers. Watch the full quote. No, I didn't feel any better about that after. No, watching I the watched full quote. the full quote. He, he came off out of touch. And everything that he's done from, you know, the way he basically expected a full max to the way he reacted there. To even, you know, we were up there in Boston when they lost that game seven. And he was basically, like, I'm paraphrasing, but he was basically like, look, I made sacrifices and we still lost in the second round. So, like, what was the point? That was when the first red flag went up. Mm-hmm. And then when he he talked about being disrespected with the contract, second red flag, and then this red flag. it And there was a report that he, you know, basically lost his chance in Houston because he was like, hey, I can still lead the league in scoring. And Amy was like, hell no, I'm, out of, I'm not in that business. Just seems like this next contract, man. Uh, who knows if he gets it? I don't know if you like. We'll see what ha- how he plays with the Clippers. Uh, I do not. I do not want any parts of that next contract. And you know, look, Daryl might. The Sixers might not be after navigating the Simmons and Harden situations. They might not be in a perfect position. They're not. They certainly are not. But there were a couple of landmines that they dodged. Both the Ben Simmons contract and his torpedoing trade value. And now James Harden and his next contract at the, this is a weird thing to give some credit for at the very least, Daryl didn't step on any of those landmines because they could have ended this era of six with basketball. Well said <sighs> fun game though. I really, I really enjoyed, the, I'm enjoying, I, I'm enjoying the, the four, four games that they've played. I'm going <laughs> to enjoy Saturday here. Yeah. Uh, we will have a post game show here on Saturday. I will be joined by another guest. So be sure to join us then. It has been fun talking Sixers basketball with you, Rich. We will have you in a couple times here next week on post-game shows. We will be doing a lot of post, post-game shows on most games um, and certainly more when we get a couple more people back here in our band of basketball analysts. But thank you, Rich, uh, for jumping on, and we will talk to you again soon. Good tease there, man. <laughs> 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 like the mayor.